0: The person leading that vision doesn't uh, hand off things at some point and let go. There is always going to be a ceiling to what growth that they can have.
1: Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to welcome you to the Kelly family and just let you know that we exist to help you. Whether you're a brand new leader jumping into a management role, seeking the ins and outs of what to do next, or maybe you're wrestling with a really tough decision, a market merger, having to let someone go and you want to know maybe what's the best way to go about it or you just want to get a hold of our faculty and figure out what's going on in the research world that they're they're working on, shoot us an email to Pod. that's roipod at I-U-P-U-I dot edu. So for many organizational leaders, I think sometimes there is this tendency to want to Control everything. I know I have it, especially a lot of A type personalities. You know, you want to be in the details of everything, you want to make sure it runs. You have the vision as a leader. So there's no question that you're trying to make sure that everyone's moving toward that vision. But sometimes us jumping in all the time and us being the sole decision makers and us as leaders being the ones that have to guide everyone step by step becomes a hindrance because we don't allow the people on our teams to grow. Sometimes we have to let those around us try, even if they fail, even if the idea is so far-fetched at times or way out there, we still have to let people try so that they way they can grow. Because when they grow, we grow as an organization. And that only means we as a team become winners. So today, I am honored to be joined by the new CEO of Cat Sapper and Miller. They're a tax auditing and consulting firm here in Indianapolis, Tim Cook. Tim, welcome to the ROI podcast. Hi, Matt. So, you know, you, we were talking before, uh, you know, we started recording this a few weeks ago, and you were talking about this concept of of allowing people to try on your team. And I know, uh, you know, congratulations on being named the new CEO of Cat Sapper Miller. That's a, that's a really cool accomplishment. Um, and so I want to talk to you before we dive into, you know, letting people on your team you know, try and even if they fail, I want to kind of get into kind of some of your leadership philosophy um, as our springboard um, to to kind of help build us to this concept of, you know, how do you let go as a leader to let people try crazy ideas that don't seem like they can work? So what's your leadership philosophy?
0: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, From a very early age, I mean, this goes to prior to me being in the business world, just growing up. My parents always had uh, a lot of faith in my ability and always were very encouraging to me. So much so that as I got older, I looked back and realized a lot of it was not earned. Uh, It was just that belief that, you know, whatever you want to do, you can go do it. And I just got really lucky throughout my career, just about every manager or supervisor I had, had a similar mindset. Where they would kind of put me on a raft and go do something and uh, were very supportive when it succeeded. And when it failed, they did not, uh, it wasn't like a death sentence. They were very constructive in criticism and get up off the ground and just keep plugging away and it's going to work out. And, you know, to have that combination of upbringing and then. That kind of support from leaders that I had throughout my career, I just was really fortunate to have that. And luckily, I did not stub my toe so severely along the way that uh, one of them did not come to their senses and said, hey, I was wrong about that. So uh, just just ignore that. and Get out of here. So uh, I kept along my way.
1: Talk about, you know, what that meant for you as especially when you got into your career, you know, especially as you began to venture out on your own, you know, getting leadership roles and working your way up through various organizations. Talk about what that meant to you um, as someone trying to grow as a leader to have opportunities to fail.
0: It was exciting, Uh, exciting and frightening uh, because I tend to be my own worst critic. And so even though I felt that safe space, I also put an enormous pressure on myself. But knowing that I could go out and try things uh, that were appealing to me or that I thought would take our business in a positive direction, it was very empowering. Um, But along the way, you learn after one or two mistakes that you have got to be an editor of your own decision making. And I eventually uh, developed this attitude that whatever it was I was trying to do, if I, if I was asking permission to take uh, my practice or whatever it was in a specific direction, I felt a lot of pressure to have done my research. And that if six months, a year after that decision was made, if it ended up not working out, that I could go back and say, I think it was still the right decision based on what I knew at the time versus just kind of freelancing and saying, you know what, this would be crazy. Let's go try this and then just go take this group with me and have it be a black hole that was a waste of time. Uh, It was really a matter of trying to be informed about it, always looking along the way, taking a step back, is this working, is it not working? can you pivot to make it successful? Or if it ends up being an idea that doesn't have merit, pulling the plug at the right time so that you're not having a conversation two to three to five years later, you know, how did we wind up here? So that that was always the, the approach that I, that I tried to take.
1: So for you as someone like in the mindset before you got in, to CEO and leadership and management roles when you were still kind of working through, talk about, you know, what it was like in, obviously you had great people beforehand that supported you in the failure, your upbringing, um, but talk about those those leaders or managers in your life that when you did fail, it almost did become, you know, a quote unquote death sentence feeling where they, you know, kind of maybe chastised you in a way or, you know, really kind of uh, rubbed, rubbed your nose in that defeat already. Because when everyone fails, you always get that kind of sinking feeling in your gut so to have someone kicking you while you're down only you know hurts more so as an individual you know in those moments how did you you know work to not let it be where you you know called it quits
0: one of my uh one of my first supervisors uh he was a he was probably the most difficult grader that I had throughout my career but it was always done constructively and it was blunt uh you know, I've joked before there were times if it was an hour long review by about 45 minutes in, I I always felt like I was about to be fired because he was so to the point and not in a, it was never in a personal or a mean way, but he was like, you have got to, you got to work on A, B and C. And these are real lacks that you have right now. and, And you need to spend time on this. And If, if you don't, this is going to be a real impediment to your career. And I got very comfortable because it was one of my first uh, he was one of my first reviewers. I just, uh, my brain said, well, this is how it works. Uh, You get tough feedback. You need to pay attention to it. He's giving you chances and opportunities, but that doesn't give you permission to make bad decisions or uninformed decisions. And so that, uh, that really imprinted and became part of my DNA and how I manage people. Uh, I don't know that I was quite as hardcore as him, but I have always approached it from the standpoint when you're, when you're supervising people or empowering people, you also have to be providing really honest feedback with them and not telling them what you wanna hear or to the extent that there's a friendship there letting that friendship cloud that underlying responsibility that you have to provide them with the kind of feedback that's going to help them do a better job not just in that moment but help them develop the kind of skills that will make them better in whatever it is that they do so that that was always a core part of my philosophy and it's almost
1: like it's this idea that you have to separate your personal attachment or your personal feelings from some of the projects you're doing because I know you know when criticism comes in when let's say I work 10 hours on this you know financial plan for the you know budget year of next year and I work put a ton of blood sweat and tears into it and then it gets picked apart you know it's very easy for me as an individual I'm sure for a lot of others um, you know to take it personally to take like wow like you you, you don't like how this went so that's almost a personal attack on me and that' becomes defeating talk about you know how do you begin to separate some of those um ideas or feelings that it's a personal attack versus no look like this is just the work itself and we're working together to make it
0: better yeah i i was really uh lucky early in my career um my employer had a personality profile done of everybody that was part of this class that we did and i learned about myself that i do exactly what you described When someone is criticizing something that I've done at work, I view it as a personal attack on my character or my integrity or or whatever the topic is. And that's just a, uh, I don't want to say it's a weakness, but it's a predisposition I have. And having somebody, an objective third party, tell me that about myself was really helpful to me. And it's something that I still use. You know, I'm, uh, I'm 30 years into my career at this point. And I still have that experience where someone is criticizing uh, something that I'm doing or an idea that I'm throwing out there. And I sometimes have to take a step back and remind myself, this isn't about you. It's not an attack on who you are. It's about the idea and, and be focused on that. And so I try to inject that uh, mindset when I'm providing feedback to people and, and trying to be sensitive to, Everybody's personality is different and you need to adapt the message to what resonates with that person.
1: So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, you know, one thing we believe on this show is for organizations to become better um, and organizational leaders to, to see the growth in their team, you know, we as leaders have to embrace and become the change before we can expect the change in others. And so I want to kind of switch gears a bit into now how this is in, impacting, you know, your leadership style, you know, how, you know, all this growth that you've had to go through as a leader, how it's began to impact you and your decision-making and how you approach, you know, growing leaders within your own team?
0: Well, at KSM, we are a, we're a professional services firm. And so this is something that we talk about all the time. We're not out making widgets. We're out serving clients and our only, uh, the only inventory that we have is our people. And even though, every company talks about their people all the time and as they should. At KSM, it is such a fundamental piece of what we talk about all the time that we are constantly discussing how do we develop and empower our people and how do we make them better? And part of that is we have this business that we're trying to run and we're trying to grow and we're trying to make better. But the core part of that is how do the people that serve that business How do they they fit into what that mission is and how do we make them the best at what they're being asked to do, as well as how do we develop those special skills that make them unique individuals and help promote that so that not only are they doing great work, but it's work that they're excited about. It's work that they find purpose in and they find meaning in, and that can be challenging sometimes in a tax audit and consulting world. Um, you know, we're not in healthcare. Uh, we're not a not-for-profit. There is a core for-profit uh, component that's the reason that we exist. But that does not mean that the people that work at KSM aren't looking for something more than that. And so personal development is, you know, key to that. It's do I get up every day and do I feel challenged and am I being tested? Am I, am I developing skills that either I don't have right now or there are skills I do have that are being made better? And that's something that we intentionally think about all the time. It's a real challenge because uh, in a professional services firm, you always have to be mindful of the fact that we have clients that have to be served. And sometimes on a short time frame, certainly during things like tax busy season, There's only so much time in the day to devote to things like that, but we've got to create space for that. And we've got to, we've got to think about it all the time. And it's something that we can't, it's such a core part of who we are. It can't be a to-do item that we push into next year. It's got to be something that we're vigilant about and, and thinking about all the time.
1: And it becomes a sticky spot for a lot of leaders, especially when you're trying to grow you know, individuals on your team, because as a leader, it, it requires you to, you know, let go of, you know, responsibility or let go of things that, you know, you say it would just be so much easier if I just did it, if I got it done, because it'll get done the way I want it, it'll get done how I want it. Because not everyone is you, you know, not everyone is the organizational leader, everyone comes in with different personalities, different ways of accomplishing tasks, different ways of even seeing, you know, what a client wants, and they're coming at it from a totally different side. You know, so it can be tough for a lot of leaders to let go, but it's a necessary trust and let go so that they they can grow because then when they grow as a leader, then your t- organization grows. So, you know, talk about from, from an organizational leader standpoint, from a CEO standpoint, about, you know... Let's say you're having a coffee with with a leader who's just really struggling with that idea that to let go of some of that responsibility in order so that you know an organization can grow and like like we kind of frame this whole topic with you know how do you let people try even trying ideas that right now may not be like the, the best or may may be a little more risky than our comfort zone, but how do you what would you say to someone? as an organization leader who does struggle with that let go um, of responsibility?
0: I think it falls into two categories. Category one is, um, it's just a personality uh, trait, which is, I'm kind of a control freak. And it's a really hard thing for me to let go. And if that is a challenge that a person has individually, and they don't conquer that, or they don't figure out a way to control it, there's always going to be a cap on your growth. And I mean, you can look at Any company of any size, uh, some of those different milestones that you hit, if. if And so that's a key part of it. But the other part of it is you've got to be surrounded by the right people. And, you know, when I was talking about, you know, having the freedom to fail and things like that. there's gotta be an underlying confidence that the people that you're handing that uh, responsibility or that freedom to, that they're going to handle it responsibly and that they have a mindset that uh, they are gonna be their own toughest critic and that they wanna succeed and that they are driven by things like learning and developing people. And if we didn't have, uh, you know, KSM, It's uh, we've got 350 employees. We've got five people along with me on our executive team who every one of them is phenomenal and accomplished. And for us to accomplish what we want to do, it's going to be a result, not of my vision and leadership. It's going to be a result of these people that are kind of in the trenches, making it happen and empowering the people below them. And I think that's
1: a really important thing is, you know, having that accountability because freedom on its own is great you know people feel this you know sense of being able to oh, I can do it how I want I can go accomplish it how I see it but at the same time freedom without that accountability like you're mentioning I mean it kind of can run off the rails really quickly because you know someone just going so far away from the vision that it's next year impossible to bring back. So talk about, you know, what does that accountability look like for you as a leader? You know, how do you allow freedom, but at the same time, you know, find that balance where you're not in the details of what, you know, someone on your team's doing, but at the same time, you're also keeping them accountable when, you know, they may be veering off the path a bit.
0: I think it starts with the idea, making sure that person or that team has done their homework And the idea they're presenting is something that they believe in. And it's something that, you know, as a group, we can look at and say, yeah, this has got a chance and let's try it. Uh, It's also a matter of having milestones that you're going to measure, whatever that investment is or whatever that initiative is. So that you're not, you know, if it's a two-year, let's say it's a two-year program, you're not waiting till two year, till year two to figure out if it's successful or not. You're checking in, whether it's every month, every quarter, to assess, here's where we are, we need to change this, or we need to dump that, or we need to spend more time here. And having that, uh, you know, just constantly staying on top of it. And, you know, the other part is communication. Uh, Communication between me and the people that are assigned with that task or that are running with it. So that you know, there's not surprises that they're getting feedback, and feedback is coming to me, and um, you're 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 constantly uh, attending to it uh, is a, is a requirement as well.
1: So I want to talk about now, we were talking on our phone call before this podcast, you know, the the importance of, of success and, and what do you do with success after something, you know, takes off? Maybe, you know, you entrusted someone with a fairly risky objective or they came to you and you're like, not really sure, but I'll entrust you anyway. You know, so talk about the importance of how do you, first, you know, determine success. And then how do you celebrate that? Like, what should that look like within an organization to promote that growth? And then the second part of that would be, what do you do in the moments of failure? You know, how as an organizational leader, do you come alongside someone who just failed uh, accomplishing the task? And how do you turn that into a growth opportunity?
0: Yeah. uh, On the success part, I think you do, you have to celebrate it. You've got to, you've got to let the people know that, you know, they knocked it out of the park and that you're proud of them and providing positive feedback. That's absolutely critical. Um, You've got to make sure that if that success was the stepping stone to uh, a phase two or whatever, that that person adopts the same mindset that you left with them, which is if you're going to take this to the next level, now it's your job to empower other people. It's your job to be the teacher, it's your job to uh, make sure they do the homework and that you vet that and that you collaborate in a way that whether that next idea succeeds or fails, you give it uh, you give it the greatest chance for success possible. So I think those are the things that happen on the success side. Um, on the failure side, uh, one thing I try to do uh, it's uh, it's this piece of advice I heard from uh, the football coach of my favorite team, the Kansas city chiefs, uh, Andy Reid is their head coach. And I, I heard, or I read somewhere where when a quarterback throws an interception, he doesn't like just start berating them. He sits down and says, so what did you see on that play? And I just thought that was so brilliant that rather than just, be angry or just be emotional. It's take a step back and help that person teach themselves and ask them, what did you learn from that? And then once they've had that conversation with you, then you can share with them whatever feedback you might have. But that's something I don't do it all the time. I mean, we're all human and sometimes I get angry first, but, uh, When I'm cognizant of it, I think it's good to put it back on that person and ask them in a very rational, calm way, you know, why did that fail or why didn't that turn out better and and help them get to the answer. And my experience has been, um, especially if that person is somebody that uh, you've been developing along the way you don't even really need to say a whole lot. They kind of figure it out on their own. And the comments that you're providing at that point are really just refining uh, points that they've already come to their own conclusion on.
1: You know, finally, as, as we begin to wrap up, I, I would love to get, you know, your perspective back as, you know, a, a leader, you know, who's at the top of the organization. I mean, some organizations, you know, have boards of directors and so on, but at some point within leadership, as people grow, there seems, I mean, there's almost could be a ceiling where it's like all right well I made it to the top you know that that's it I accomplished it but yet if you stay there then I mean you're just gonna get stale you know things aren't gonna really move so how do you let yourself as a CEO how do you strive to try new things and to kind of keep pushing your comfort zone um, especially when you know you're the person who everyone's looking to for for example and leadership?
0: My philosophy there is the same feedback I would give to anybody on my team which is <clears throat> even if we have a uh, even if we have a destination within a business that is related to the business but you've always got to be focused on how are you developing yourself and how are you challenging yourself. So for me it's not just about at KSM what we're trying to accomplish over the next X number of years. It's also a personal journey that I'm on, that I wanna learn more. I'm a reader. Um, I like to talk with others that are part of our leadership team and other leaders to find out what works for them, what lessons have they learned, what mistakes have they made that I can apply to myself. And I think if you are on that constant path of always trying to develop yourself, Regardless of what role you have within an organization, whether you're the CEO or anybody else, I think you will always be challenged and you will never look at whatever the pinnacle of success is within that given group or organization, but you will, it's just gonna be part of who you are to always try to do the, the next uh, best thing or the next thing that you find appealing.
1: Again, Tim Cook, CEO of Cat Sapper & Miller, a tax auditing firm and consulting firm here in Indianapolis. Tim, thank you so much for being our guest on the show.
0: Thanks, Matt, really appreciate it.
1: This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University, presented by the Indiana University Kelley School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.